Hey, we're rolling, we're rolling. We got all day. Stay tuned, man. We got something special for y'all today. You're listening to the Full 10 Yards Podcast. To the 10, right to the 5. Scooting in for the score. Touchdown. Yes, welcome in, ladies, gents, and for the first time ever, viewers, unbelievably, fellas, we have actually gone live. We're probably not going to have the hugest of audience. I'm sure the BBC and Strictly Come Dancing are hardly shaking in their boots. But if you are indeed joining us live, pleasure to have you along. We do always record this on a Monday, and now you get it in its full, unedited pleasure for you. And you can also see where... Me, Lawrence, and Tim all reside, but uh, a little tip for you. I don't actually live in Cleveland Brown Stadium. That's the joys of modern technology, isn't it? Let's bring the boys in then. And <laughs> Indeed, I would, mate. Let's bring the fellas <laughs> in. He can't wait to get involved. Look, let's let's welcome him in, the man himself, Mr. Timothy Lambert-Monk. How are you, my friend? Yeah, not too bad. Doing too bad. I made the mistake of um, the, wor- the worst thing you can, that can happen on a Sunday, especially as a, as a Dallas fan this past week, is the the, the late games, the 9pm, the half nine games, finishing at like five past one, ten past one. And then there's like that 10 minute window where you think, oh, shall I watch it? Shall I watch the Dallas game? Shall I just be disappointed or just like to just get up in the morning and watch the 40 minute version? But uh, I said to myself, once Philadelphia get a double digit lead that I would uh, that I would turn off. But for, unfortunately, that didn't really happen until late in the third and early fourth. So that was a bit annoying. And then, yeah. So lo and behold, half four in the morning. Um, yeah, needless to say, work was a bit of a struggle this morning, but um, I'm coming round, coming round. You're a trooper, my friend, and a true fan to the end. That's what I like to see. Doesn't desert his team in the time of crisis. And, of course, that leads us nicely into the other man in the three-man huddle, Mr Voss. How are you this evening, Lawrence? Not too bad. Obviously, I must have some sort of curse because my my new team didn't manage to get a W either. So... Doesn't matter where I turn, and yes, to anyone watching, I am wearing a Las Vegas Raiders hoodie as well, just to just to make it more entertaining. And then I'll just make people even more confused by putting on a Bengals hat. So yeah, I think I think I need to see a doctor. Um, yeah, let's take that one off. Um, yeah, it's been absolutely entertaining weekends, and um, just wanted to take it. A little bit retro, just before we go any further and, and play our um, song of the week. So here we go. That's certainly retro, my friend. Certainly is a bit of retro. And the reason I'm playing this is because... The Los Angeles Chargers, who lost an absolute heartbreaker against the Denver Broncos, were led by their fullback, none other than Gabe Neighbors. What Gabe absolute Neighbors. legend of a name. Undrafted free agent who's bounced across the Bolts practice squad twice already this season. And um, Neighbors got the call from the practice squad after Mike Pouncey, the centre, went down injured. So great to see Gabe Neighbors getting his first touchdown. Has mm. anyone, anyone got an appetite to, to go and watch turn Channel 4 on or Channel 5 or whatever channel it was on? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, certainly a bit of retro there. It's been a good number of years since I watched Neighbors. And, and let's face it, let's, let's keep the viewers that we have got, fellas. No one's here to listen about Neighbors. They're all here, of course, to talk about and listen about the NFL. And let's get into it, fellas. There was a few 
big games this weekend. We're going to call this section Sorting the Men from the Boys. We talked about it last week on the pod. Um, it was obviously the big ding-dong battle, wasn't it? I am, of course, talking about the Ravens against the Steelers. Lawrence, take us through what was probably the game of the weekend. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've really got to admit that this Pittsburgh Steelers team are absolutely for real. They had a bit of a softer schedule to start off with, but they are proving themselves. And 8-0 and now is, and, and still the only team without a loss um, to get to the halfway point. If we look at it, really, it wasn't absolutely convincing. And and was it not for a, a really shoddy performance from, from the Ravens' Lamar Jackson? This game could have gone the other way and very, very nearly did at the end. If Lamar Jackson, in my opinion, had actually looked for Mark Andrews, who was more of his favourite red zone target, more than looking for Willie Sneed on that final play of the game, with Willie Sneed triple covered, then you know it could have it could have been written the other way. It was you know it was it was possible for the Ra- for the Ravens to win that game, literally on the final final play of the game. Um, as it is, we're looking at a really kind of fine Steelers vintage, well-aged veteran quarterback, Ben Roethlisberger, looking strong. And a defence, yes, they were pushed to the brink that were able to come up with that final stop. And Lamar Jackson, who, to be honest, looked like a liability. I mean, I've not seen him look like this. He looked like a rookie. Kind of every every time he, he kind of had the ball and, and was in the pocket and he, he wasn't kind of making that instinctual run, it looked like every time he was going to throw the ball, it was going to get picked off. And that's exactly what happened very early in the game. Steelers linebacker Robert Spillane took it 33 yards back to the house for an early lead. Both teams then lost fumbles. Chase Claypool was hit by Marcus Peters, who caused and recovered the pigskin. Lamar then committed his second turnover. And this was just four yards from the end zone with the impressive Bud Dupree with the hit. Um... With all the talk about the excellence of the Steelers' defence, it was actually the Ravens' defence who were balling in the first half as they forced the Steelers to two second-quarter punts and they went from 7-0 down to 10 up at the half. A nine-play, 80-yard drive ended with Lamar finding Miles Boykin to tie it up in the first and then Gus the Bus Edwards punched it in from the one before Justin Tucker, who is kind of you can't even argue, is the best kicker in the NFL. Now a 51-yarder as time expired in the half. And then it completely turned. I don't know quite what happened in the in the halftime kind of period. Either Big Ben had a large sniff of smelling salts or he had George Stevenson's rocket shoved up his posterior by Mike Tomlin as he tossed an 18-yard touchdown to a wide-open Eric Ebron following Lamar's second interception and third turnover. Pittsburgh following drive saw Big Ben go six out of seven and they took the lead behind with James Connor one yard run up the gut. Back came the Ravens. Lamar found Hollywood Brown for the lead. And I've noticed with interest that Hollywood Brown's actually removed a tweet that he sent complaining mm-hmm. that he's yeah, not yeah, playing yeah. enough ball. Um, saying, you know, if you something about soldiers and some sort of military insinuation that he's not getting enough ball but he's he's not a 1500 yard receiver whatever way you look at it he's 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 a borderline thousand yard receiver even if he's on a a a different team so 
there we there we go. Um, Pittsburgh's following drive um, didn't result in anything. Back came the Ravens, um, and he managed to get his. This was um, Hollywood Brown managed to get his shin down at the back of the end zone. Really good touchdown. Big Ben then delivered another masterful drive. Chase Claypool, the rookie, made up for his fumble, catching an eight-yard touchdown. Um, the Ravens then had the ball back, ran it 10 consecutive times, but on fourth and three, Lamar Jackson coughs up the ball, and it was recovered by Spillane, who was the earlier pick-six hero. Really quick three and out, and Baltimore had one last chance to win the game. With a chance to take the lead, Lamar Jackson was two out of seven passing including gunning that ball into a triple-covered Willie Sneed, blown up by the Steelers' defence, and that was all she wrote. couple of major notes to come out of this game. Steelers only managed 221 yards compared to the Ravens' 457, but when it comes down to it, it's not about yardage, as we'll come on to in Stats Life, but it's about turnovers. Steelers had one turnover compared to the four committed by Lamar Jackson. And then the huge, huge loss, the Ravens lost tackle Ronnie Stanley for the season with a broken ankle, got accidentally rolled on by TJ Watt. And then we find out today that Ravens all-pro cornerback Marlon Humphrey is now um, on the COVID list after tweeting this morning that he's he's got the, he's got the COVID. Um, I mean, he would have had COVID going into the game because he was tested on the Sunday morning, but they didn't get the results till this morning. So maybe there's some sort of flaw in that testing system there that we mm -hmm. need to explore. But yeah, testament to the Steelers, massive, massive win. Um, and, you know, the, the Ravens are starting to show some cracks. Yeah, you said there, though, to be fair, Lawrence, that, you know, the Steelers didn't put up a huge ton of offence. That's pretty much been the script, hasn't it, so far, team? Let's be honest, they play complementary football. The defence has kept them in most of these games and you know we've commented along the way that big ben hasn't necessarily had to do an awful lot to get this team moving with that being said you can't deny what the record is that you know they are undoubtedly you know going to be up there come playoff time they're they're obviously the number one seed in the afc as things stand um and in terms of the game from the ravens perspective all the talk last year was about Lamar Jackson. The Ravens have been very quiet in terms of any sort of noise and, and anything coming out this year because despite their record, their play hasn't really been lighting things up either, has it? So I think we both picked the Steelers to win this one going in, didn't we? Um, mm -hmm. If I remember mm -hmm. rightly from a pick and perspective. Is this more of a sign, if you like, of um, probably a bit more trust in that Steelers defence than we've got in that Ravens offence as things stand? Yeah, I think it's it's a whole host of things. I think mainly, I think the the best thing you can say with with the Steelers is they've got a lot of tools in the in their kit bag, haven't they? So if they need to grind one out with the defense and, and let the defense win it, because the the opposing defense is, is pretty decent, and they can they can grind one out. But if they need to air it, they've got Ben Roethlisberger, who's been there, done that one Super Bowls, and and done you know led multiple fourth quarter comebacks in in either the yeah, regular season or postseason. But you've got wide receivers and you have a running game. James Connors obviously stayed healthy for the majority of uh, this season so far. Obviously, they'll be hoping that they, that extends for at least 16 games plus obviously the postseason. But they've got wide receivers that aren't. Um, obviously, Clayball has had his flash. Uh, Gigi Smith-Schuster is obviously a top quality uh, wide receiver and still very, very, very young. Uh, and then you've got other bits like Eric Ebron, uh, who's he's added a, a, a decent dimension. Um, since, yeah, he's been pretty 
the most used tight end since since Heath Miller, is it? I think. But um, yeah, you've got all the different ingredients out on the offense. There's no stars. Obviously, you've got no AB. You've got no Le'Veon Bell. But you've got people that complement each other on the offense. Um, and they say if they need to, if they're playing a bad a bad defense against you know, and, and the op- opposing team have a, a decent a decent offense, they can go toe to toe with the high scorers. You know, so, yes, you know. The Baltimore Ravens did put up a, a decent performance. I think they what they carried ball forty-seven times for two hundred sixty-five yards. But no one's ever done that on the on the Pittsburgh Steelers. But they're still able to you know use a variety of tools to to be able to get the job done, which I think is important for a Super Bowl winning team and someone that's going to go deep into the into the postseason. So I think that's kind of the the key to to the Steelers um, offense and the, the team in general. Uh, and Mike Tomlin's just got on the roll at the moment. Well, I yeah. thought was. Just one little note here, which I didn't mention, was the performance of J.K. Dobbins, who's really hasn't really shone. His, his kind of talent hasn't really come out yet. Lots and lots of talk about, oh, he's, he's, he's the kind of the next, the next kind of, you know, the second coming and, and he's going to be great. He's going to be brilliant. And he hadn't kind of cracked 100 yards. And he, he did that against the Steelers and did, did it against the Steelers' defence, which I think is... With the fact that Ronnie Stanley was out, the fact that they had another offensive lineman go out very early in the game as well, and they were bringing in backups, and they still managed to sustain drives. And if Lamar Jackson had been his, let's say, his normal self, and he hadn't thrown two picks, then the Ravens could have won this. And this is this is one of these games that I, you know, I think we we do need to give the Ravens credit for for hanging in there, and I think they did. Yes, four turnovers. It's you know it's unlikely that you're going to do very well if you if your quarterback commits four turnovers personally. But you know to be still in there with a chance of winning it on the final play of the game against what is supposed to be the best defense in the NFL, I think the the Ravens are still a quality team. Um, they've just got to you know, and they can't pound the rock any more than they did. <laughs> they, just, they just need to pound it even more. You know, they just need to kind of do, they just need to restrict Lamar um, to what he was doing last season um, and just kind of look at what they did that made that work. Um, and I think it's going to be harder without Ronnie Stanley to to be able to do that. But I still think, you know, they've got the Colts and the Patriots coming up. So both winnable games. That Colts game is going to be quite a, quite mm-hmm. a bruising battle. But then, then they should beat up on the Patriots in two weeks. So that, that Colts one, I know we look, we look ahead later and in, in, to obviously week nine, but that Colts one's going to be interesting because don't, let's not forget, Ravens had a, had a bye week last week. They had two weeks to prepare for this game and it kind of just fluffed their lines a little bit. It'd be interesting to see, obviously they're beating up and, and they've got, got injuries to deal with. It'd be interesting to see if they're, if they're up for the fight and uh, it'll, it'll show, it'll tell us what character they've got. And, and also, I know um, a certain player will appear in my winners and losers uh, from, from this game a bit later, but it'd be certainly interesting to see the response we get from, from Baltimore and, and Harbour and the, and the gang. Yeah, it certainly will be a good one to watch. Um, before we move on, fellas, I should have said right at the start, as we are live, you can actually interact with us throughout the course of the pod. And the best news so far of the evening, fellas, is that we are actually being watched by some people. <laughs> All this effort has not gone to waste. It's a, it's you wa- a good thing You watch to know. out, Claudia. You watch out, Tess. <laughs> <laughs> Jay, Jay Bell, you're in trouble, son. 
<laughs> so yeah, uh, comment along. We will share them as long as you've been, you know, obviously polite. It's a family show after all. Um, and yeah, like and all the rest of the other good things that you can do on social media these days. Let's move on then. We've talked about the powerhouses in the AFC. Let's look NFC and particularly NFC West, Tim. Um, it's, this was another one that was um, on the docket in terms of the 49ers and the Seahawks. We expected a fairly close game in the final score, as you can see, going across the ticket at the bottom. Ended up as 37-27 Seattle over San Francisco, but it never really felt as close as that, did it, mate? No, it didn't. And it, it did um, It did threaten to be a kind of a defensive game early on because um, it didn't. It took a little while for this one to go and defence was on top early on. Uh, but the, the points did eventually flow. Unfortunately for the, the 49ers, it was all pretty much Seahawks. Um, DK Metcalf, who had a quiet week last week, obviously being shut down in, uh, against Arizona, Patrick Peterson, uh, absolutely feasted in this one. Uh, 12 or 15. Uh, 12 receptions from 15 targets, 161 and two TDs. Uh, two quite different TDs as well. Uh, one was a was a yak and a run and ran around corner and away you go. Uh, and then one was a lovely catch right between the numbers from Russell Wilson uh, in the end zone, who's literally piggybacking uh, the defender whose name escapes me. Um, but yeah, Tyler Lockett obviously had a bit quieter game than his blow-up game last week against said Cardinals. Um, but that that tandem, that, that one, I know we talk about backfields as one-two punch, but those two are certainly helping Russell Wilson take or the, the the MVP plaudits. Um uh, on the on the other side, uh, totally opposite story, really. To be honest, forty nine is not a good day in the office, uh, especially on the run game. Obviously, they absolutely ripped uh, New England to shreds on the ground last week. Wonder if they kind of is a kind of a letdown game for them because maybe Jimmy G was was a bit too interested in in beating up on his old on his old um, protege, uh, mentor and, and Bill Belichick and the, and the guys. But you know, like a bad wingman, Jimmy G bolted uh, when things were looking ugly. Got there, obviously 30, <laughs> 37 down. Um, he's obviously now out indefinitely. He obviously, he's coming out this evening. Uh, George Kittle, obviously he's out for eight, for eight weeks, I think it was reported before we came on air, uh, with was it a fracture in his foot. That's not good. Obviously that's the second injury he's had this season. Uh, and then Tevin Coleman, who came back from this game, just recently activated from our eyes, gone again, aggravated his knee injury that he had, uh, and he's gone down again. So it's, it's again injury after injury for the, for the 49ers team. Uh, and obviously Quan Alexander's just been traded uh, to the Saints as well, bringing uh, Kiko Alonso coming back the way. But I, I think they've shut up shop. That's certainly a signal a signal to me to say, look, we, we, no matter how hard we try and what, no matter what kind of game plans we put in place, we're just up against it here, and it's just not going to be our season. So uh, I'm not going to say it's a it's a tank tank for Trevor. Could be an outside shot, couldn't it? Um, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not. I'm not starting that one. Um, but yeah, 40, just not the 49 season. Uh, season this season, uh, I won't go into too much detail on Jimmy Garoppolo anyway. But um, yeah, I think it's worth mentioning though that Seattle defense, uh, the renowned poorest defense of of 2020, uh, did def- uh, limit the uh, San Francisco offense early on uh, as they built the lead. And they've got, I think they've got Jamal Adams coming back next week as well. So they'll they'll certainly be looking feeling good about themselves. Um, it was good to see, obviously, their, their rookie uh, DJ Dallas obviously getting the end zone a couple of times, have a good performance, um, and it just show, goes to show you that you can plug in any running back into into either system on, on both of these teams. But uh, yeah, good performance from Seattle. They'll be they'll be smarting um, and obviously take take a, a good stranglehold of the NFC West. Yeah, no big win. Go on, Lawrence. You want to come in? Yeah, I was just going to say, you know, I love my projections, my statistical projections and seasonal records. I've just just been on the old calculator and at the current rate that Russell Wilson is tossing touchdowns, he's going to end the season with 59 touchdowns if he carries on at the rate he's going. And that will obliterate 
the NFL record by four clear touchdowns if he carries on what he's doing. And if you look at the sheer immenseness of DK Metcalf, I mean, my goodness, that's there, there's not a lot of human beings that are built like DK Metcalf on the planet Earth. It's kind of like something you'd find on Game of Thrones more than you, you're going to find in a you know on a on a mortal human being. DK Metcalf is is he, he he honestly looks like a Greek god. Um, well, aside from the um, the dyed barnet, but you know, other than that, what what a performance from DK Metcalf! What an absolute, just an absolute beast he is. And after kind of the week before, when he kind of wasn't targeted, and for whatever reason they weren't throwing the ball to him, they they more than made up for it um, on Sunday. And you know, this guy is going to be at this rate first team All Pro by the time we get to the end of this season. Um, and I can't think of many, many athletes with that build. I mean, look at somebody um, like Andre Johnson, who's the old Texans receiver. He was kind of bit kind of mutant built. But DK Metcalf, he's just one of a kind. And, and I absolutely kind of as much pleasure as I've taken watching Lamar Jackson, I take that amount of pleasure watching DK Metcalf. So I, th- I think he's he's absolute box office. Talking talking of units, you know, see, I, I didn't realise how much of a unit Randy Bullock is. <laughs> You're comparing Randy Bullock to DK <laughs> to DK Metcalf, yeah. Wow. What time did you go to bed, again, Tim? <laughs> Four thirty. Uh, oh yeah, it's showing, mate. It's absolutely showing. Absolute yeah. unit. Let's 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 move on. Let's move <laughs> Not on. about the um, Sebastian Janikowski six pack. Hmm. Yeah, let's move on. That's for the off season, that one. <laughs> let's move on to the Saints and the Bears. Um, interesting game, this one. We kind of dismissed it last week, and then I sort of threw it in at the end of the pod. And I think because the Bears haven't necessarily been overly impressive, we, we've just kind of dismissed the fact that they had a really good record. You know, they've obviously got five games under their belt, sorry, five wins under their belt. Um, and coming into this one, um, yeah, it was a big game at the top of the NFC. Um, and I actually really enjoyed this one in the late window. Um, I thought it was probably the most competitive out of all the ones that were there um, throughout, although obviously um, Denver had something to say about that in the end, and we'll come on to that a little bit later. Um, but really, really good game. Alan Robinson, absolute beautiful catch in the back of the end zone. Imagine what a career he would have had, fellas, if he'd have had decent quarterback play throughout of it. He's had a real tough stint of it, hasn't he? Let's be honest, Blake Bortles, Mitch Trubisky. I mean, now he's got Nick Foles. I mean, you could argue he's got a slight upgrade in Nick Foles, but uh, still not exactly uh, stellar, is it? Let's be honest. But Alan Robinson, a beautiful 24-yarder diving catch in the back of the end zone. And the Bears had actually opened up a 10-point lead and the Saints gradually sort of chipped away at this. Uh, Jared Cook getting in on the act with a 16-yarder from Drew Brees. He seems to have been a really good pickup for the Saints the last couple of years, the big tight end. Um, sort of playing that role that Jimmy Graham played all those years ago in that Saints offence. They never really replaced him, did they? But Jared Cook has, has come in and really done the business over the last couple of years. It was really, though, a case of the field goal kickers taking over. Will Lutz and Cairo Santos, two of the best in the business, uh, you know, exchanging field goals throughout. And just when you thought the Bears were, were over and done with, Darnell Mooney, it was really, really impressed me, fellas, over the last couple of weeks with the injuries that the Bears receivers have had. 
Uh, he's come on and has done a grand job. Uh, he got into the end zone on a three-yarder from Nick Foles and then a 51-yarder from Santos actually took us into overtime. I had the exact same problem that you had, Tim. I was watching this and sort of thought, oh, I'll go to bed when this is finished. And, of course, yeah. it went to overtime and we nearly got the full period of overtime as well, didn't we? But um, it ended with a minute and 40 to go. Slightly peculiar decision, I've got to say, on that one. I mean, obviously, the kick went through, so all's well that ends well. But uh, the Saints could have ran that another one minute and 40 effectively off the clock to sort of, you know, avoid any possibility the Bears for you know mounting a comeback if they had have indeed missed the kick. But Will Lutz did indeed put it through. Uh, like I say, very even, evenly matched sides in terms of the total yardage in this one. 3-9-4 for the Saints against 3-2-9 for the Bears. I actually saw David Montgomery making plays, chaps. It's the first time I think I've ever seen it. He actually like ran for more than 10 yards on a couple of carries. I, I thought I was seeing things. It must have been... Uh, must have been something for the Chicago fans to get excited about. His final stat line isn't overly impressive. 21 carries for 89 yards, but he ripped off a 38-yarder. That's got to be yeah. the longest of his career. I'm sure somebody will check that and correct me. Comment if you watch. If you're any Chicago fan watching, let me know. What's the longest run of David Montgomery's career? But 38 yards has got to be right up there, I would have thought. Um, we even saw a bit of Mitch Trubisky. Me and Tim were watching this together at one point, and we both had a bit of a double take, didn't we, Mike? We saw, is that number 10 playing quarterback for the Bears? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, yeah. it was indeed. Mitch Trubisky came in. They obviously didn't trust him enough to throw the ball, though. He just actually rushed the ball. So no change there in Chicago. Um, in terms of bigger picture, obviously for the Saints, a big win for them. Um, they still playing without Michael Thomas. Um, he's almost a bit of a forgotten man now, isn't he? It's ridiculous to say that, considering the season and the tear-up that he was on this time 12 months ago. But for a guy that was such a dominant piece of the offence, um, he's been missing you know, for a, a combination now of injury and disciplinary issues. Uh, he's still not back in the lineup. Alvin Kamara, um, you know, he did what Alvin Kamara does, doesn't he? You know, 13 targets out of the backfield, nearly twice the amount of targets of anybody else. He's such a vital cog in the wheel. In terms of disciplinary, though, don't want to spend too long on it, but just a shout out to. Uh, oh, this is unbelievable. Javon Wims, my word. I'll tell you what, if you paid £20 for Usyk against Chisora on Saturday night, you'd have felt robbed. You could have watched this for free <laughs> on Red Zone. Absolutely yeah. unbelievable play. What? Just bonkers. What was he doing? Oh, it now, was incredible. Don't forget, this is this is um Chauncey Gardner Johnson, the um the Saints member of the secondary. He's the one that Michael Thomas lamped to mm. get suspended. So obviously, mm. Chauncey Carter Johnson has got a rather large mouth, and he he must probably enjoy a little bit of gentle trash talking. Probably about you know some of his close relatives. He's probably mm. talked about and and kind of what he's done with some of Wim's close relatives in the past. <laughs> so you know, it's not often that that you're gonna kind of you're gonna get that mad that you're actually gonna tap the guy on the shoulder excuse me sir um can you can you pass me that tin of beans bang she's gonna smack you in the face instead <laughs> so <clears throat> yeah that was pure entertainment yeah and um he probably would have beaten us Us-uk. what's how do you pronounce it Ushk. Ushk. Usik. 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 
He probably would have beaten Usyk. It would have been a more entertaining fight if it would have lasted a couple of rounds. Yeah, <laughs> saw the highlights of that fight, and oh gosh, that's not something I want to watch again in a hurry. I wonder if Gardner Johnson's the one half of the Johnson and Johnsons. They do a lot of uh, tissues and baby wipes, don't they? Too, if he's crying, if he obviously can touch up his face and after all the beatings he's taken um yeah it's a bad joke yeah. isn't it um the one the one thing i will say though i know how stupid it is to to we obviously we see people players punching each other uh with with helmets on and as stupid as that is like yeah you know, he at the moment i can understand why someone punches what someone wants in the helmet but to punch him twice and i know he poked him through the eye as well but that just <laughs> like it, how stupid do you have to be like he's wearing a helmet <laughs> uh, uh, i think it, the intention was he wanted to get his um his chain. He wanted to get the chain off his neck. That's kind of. It's like a. It's like a thing. It's like oh, I'm going to prove my manhood and and rip the chain off your neck. Because I was watching um, Alvin Kamara and did you see his his chain and his kind of thing was outside and it's like, mate, just tuck your jewelry away. I know you've got a nose ring and I know you love to look a little bit different, but just stick your jewelry away. Because honestly, one day one of those things on a chain is going to come out and pop someone's eye out you know surely there's a health and safety thing about wearing these these kind of lumps of jewelry during a game i do you reckon there's someone somewhere on the internet someone's got the clip and then just like taking the audio from like street fighter or whatever the the, the mortal combat or something there's a cha 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 Hadouken. Hadouken. Um, Sean, I've, I've got the answer for uh, David Montgomery's longest rush. Do you want to go over or under 38 yards? Oh, well, do you reckon 38 is, is, is the highest or do you reckon he's going over? Uh, um, he's probably like ripped off one like 80 yard or something that I forgot about. But go on, I'll, I'll go 38 is his longest. No, 55. 55, there you go. 55, last it's been, year. It's been a long time coming though, hasn't it, for a guy that uh, many talked talked up coming into the league he hasn't necessarily got it going so hopefully that's a sign of things to come um let's move on fellas and let's talk about some of the bigger upsets in the week in the i didn't see that coming category and we've got the vikings and the packers first and foremost lawrence i think everybody in our full 10 yards pickham went for the packers and of course the vikings get the big win talk us through it buddy yeah, I, I, yeah, I don't think anyone saw this coming. And if we look back, there's form already this season. <laughs> Week one, they the teams faced each other. Packers put up 43 on Minnesota, and they held Dalvin Cook to under 50 yards from scrimmage. Yes, Dalvin Cook managed two touchdowns, one under 50 yards in total. And then yesterday. Dalvin Cook served up a platter of frozen fish fingers topped with an iceberg lettuce. As revenge, as they say, is a dish best served cold. So who knew after the Packers took an early lead? Aaron Rodgers finding his favourite target, Devontae Adams, on the goal line for the go-ahead score. Back comes the Vikings. And at the end of the first, Dalvin Cook exposed a weak Packers run defence. And that just run, he just kind of burst through everybody for that 21-yard score. 47 seconds left in the first quarter. Now, if the saying goes, if it ain't broke, then don't fix it. Um, that's exactly what the two teams did. Adams gets his second short touchdown, followed by Dalvin Cook motoring in from the one-yard line, this time with 31 seconds left in the, in the quarter. And then... Kind of, you, you get to half time and you're kind of thinking, okay, 
it's tied up. This is where the Packers are going to kind of recuperate and then they're going to just start start bombing the ball down. They're going to find Devontae Adams, long touchdown. It's going to, you know, they're, they're going to start stretching away now. Um, and then kind of it just doesn't work. Um, you fancy the Packers to shake off the rust in the second half, but the Vikings had absolutely other plans. First drive of the second half, they march 85 yards on 10 plays, open the third quarter by, you know, bearing in mind they were helped by two kind of rather significant pass interference penalties, both on third downs that kept drives alive, um, ending in Cook scoring his third touchdown, another one-yard dive. And then with their first lead of the games, lead of the game, the Vikings forced Rodgers into four consecutive incompletions. And none of those were actually aimed at Devontae Adams. And the fourth and 10 pass in the end zone, um, which is about a 40, covered about 40 yards in the air, aimed at Equinemius St. Brown, was a bit of a turning point. Now, we know that Mason Crosby, the Packers kicker, was just about able to kick extra points and he wasn't going to be kicking field goals. He's injured. You saw him stretching and trying to get those kind of hammies warmed up, but they, they didn't have any faith in, in him kind of making any kind of long field goals. So they were having to go for these fourth downs. Um, and then um, four plays later, Dalvin Cook takes this screen pass, weaves his way up the field like a streaker, escaping the clutches of the law, for a 50-yard score and a 14-point lead. Two drives later, Aaron Rodgers throws an incompletion on another fourth down attempt, a fourth and nine. Um, and kind of it's starting to unwind now for Green Bay. Five minutes left. Um, and what made me laugh was that throughout the entire fourth quarter, Aaron Rodgers was smiling. I don't know if you guys noticed this, that every time they cut him, he kind of he, he just seemed relaxed and happy, even though he was 14 points down at one point. Um, five minutes left, they, Aaron Rodgers mounts a really impressive drive, made possible thanks to a 12-man on the field negating a forced fumble. So again, a bit of luck for the Packers there. Rodgers finds Devancey Adams for his third score of under 10 yards. Jamal Williams gets the two-point conversion leaving the Vikings with a six-point lead and a slender one at that. Packers then forced Vikings to punt. So they get five plays, they punt. Under a minute left, Aaron Rodgers starts moving the ball. And then the play of the game happens to be the final play of the game, but for all the wrong reasons for Packers fans. Vikings rookie fourth-round defensive end DJ Wanham from South Carolina dialed up some sweet chin music, caused his first career fumble, catching Roger's arm just before it was at 12 o'clock and sealed the game. So, yeah, terrific win for the Vikings there. Big, big, big upset. Yeah, it was a huge upset. And, um, I mean, obviously, you can't realistically see the Vikings getting too much back into sort of playoff contention. You know, it only improves them up to two and five, obviously, for the Packers. Uh, some things to work on. Uh, another one, Tim, that fell into the I oh, didn't see that coming category. Although, to be fair, in my weekly preview, if you read it, I did say I thought the Bengals would play the Titans close. I thought they played them close. I didn't see them winning. But yeah, huge win for Cincinnati, 31 to 20 over the Titans, buddy. 
Yeah, I, I don't know about you. Obviously, as the, as the game was progressing, you kind of just wanted to say, uh, just fast forward to the bit where the Titans took the lead and the Bengals just coughed up a, another big lead. Because obviously, you know, the theme this season is is teams giving up and, and blowing big leads. Obviously, Cincinnati have, have kind of been in, involved in those cups of games. But um, yeah, I mean, Joe Barrow, um, that guy's got grit between his teeth, isn't he? He's 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 a star. He's um, he's the business. That guy. Yeah, for anyone that wasn't a believer, and you know, I had my doubts coming into the season. I, I said that I didn't know if he. he his game would translate very well. Um, again, you, you know, when when you're picked first and second and third overall, you're going to teams that are are not good. You're not good teams because that's why you're picking that early. So, um, you know, and some for for lesser quarterbacks, you know, like Sam Darnold and Josh Rosen and all the rest of them. That's that's the undoing of you before your career's even gotten started. Um, but yeah, he he's certainly ready to to take the ball by the scruff of the neck and or whatever the the phrase is. Um, and put put and put the team on the back. He's got he's got the weapons in front of him, uh, and, and and around him. Uh, you know, Joe, Joe, Gio Bernard's obviously not Joe Mixon, but he's been in the league. Gio, Gio Bernard's been um, he's well versed in 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 taking taking carries and and, and scoring touchdowns. So, um, yeah. In the takeaways tomorrow, Sean's going to do a piece obviously on the offensive line. They they had one of their best performances of the season. A um, bunch of people that you've not even not even I've probably even heard of, or maybe some even Bengals fans have not even heard of. Um, but the, you know, the other flip side to that is that the Titans' pass rush is not great. The Titans' defense is not a great one. Um, you know, Jedi J- J- and Clowney at this point, and I've said it at previous times and previous podcasts before that uh, outside of his first season or, or two, he's obviously had injury struggles. He's just a name. He's not He's not generating any pass rush. He's not really doing too much. He had a bit of success over in Seattle, but the, the Tennessee the Tennessee defense is, isn't great. So take take maybe the, yeah, I'm not trying to, to dump on the on the Bengals, but uh, maybe just take that with a pinch of salt. Um, but the game, the, the drive that killed it was the eleven play, uh, eleven play drive towards the end of the game, five minutes, five minutes forty, uh, that, that Joe Barrow orchestrated with the offense that that killed it, and yeah, the, the Titans never really got a chance to get into get to get ahead. Um, like I say, the defense never really you know committed a turnover or or gave them an opportunity to to yeah let the bung the bet the, the bungles the bengals kind of crumble um because i i think if if the titans would have got close or leveled it up or even maybe make, make, got a point or two ahead I, I think the bengals may have may have dropped their heads and yeah that would have been kind of all she wrote um t higgins again he's flashed uh points this season he had another couple of another great grab uh he's certainly i don't yeah seems crazy to think that this time last year or even two years ago uh the bengals if you'd have said to bengals fans that aj green uh you can you can get rid of aj green they would have begged you begged you to keep him on on the team but i don't think they're going to be too sorry to see to see him uh head for the exit door which is not not i'm not saying i'm not downplaying what aj green's meant to that franchise and what he's been able to do um obviously they've not been able to win a playoff game and it's a bit of a shame that someone with the talents of aj green uh has not achieved more than he has done um but i think with t higgins tyler boyd obviously signed a a contract recently that is, is very team friendly um and they've got some you know, players like Auden Tate and Drew Sample at tight end. Obviously, he's no uh, Tyler Eifert in his in his pomp. But yeah, Joe Mixon obviously he's just been paid young youngish running back. Joe Burrow rookie contract, which is the edge these days. Um, I I can't see why this Bengals team can't be um, you know their 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 trajectory their arrow is is a big bulb one and it's pointing upwards. Uh, and and to think they're a two two five and one team, you, you think they've actually played better than that? They've probably they've tried their hearts out. Um, they, they've they've probably played or Joe Barry's played and the team have played a lot more and they've they, they've given us some highlights to think that they're better than what two five and one suggests. Um, yeah, and I, I think what helped as well was the 
with Carlos Dunlap and the other guys on defense, actually energized them a little bit on, on defense as well. So maybe um, that that helped energize the team, putting the effort in and and you know, getting away, get coming away with a win. Um, like I say, it wasn't wasn't the biggest shock in the world, but again, when when the Bengals get up 10 to 14 points on the team, you just think, okay, at what point at what point they're going to lose? You kind of could do a sweepstakes, don't you? <laughs> No, you, you certainly do, mate. Like you say, they have given away some leads uh, throughout the season, but, you know, I, I, I sort of said had confidence they would play a close game here. And for me, a few warning signs for the Titans. We talked about Seattle last week, Lawrence, about the fact that they were struggling with a pass rush. Same could be said for Tennessee. They've swung a trade for Desmond King today. You know, he's a, obviously he plays in the back for defensive backfield. He had a, a really good uh, rookie season with the Chargers, but he's sort of you know dropped off the face of the earth, hasn't he? Really, really let's be honest, for the last couple of years. Uh, so I don't think that's going to address it either. Um, let's move on, fellas, to the Rams and Miami. And I'm just going to read out some stats here, fellas. So in this game, one team had 31 first downs. The other team had eight. One team had... 350 yards passing, the other had 93. One team had 131 yards rushing, the other had 55. Which team won? Yeah. Of, course, of course, it's the one that generated a grand total of 145 yards of offense against the one that created 471 yards of offense. That just shows you, ladies and gents, you can make a stat tell you whatever you want it to tell you. The Miami Dolphins get a huge win in the debut of Tua, uh, 28 points to 17. And let's be honest, Tua wasn't the story in this one. Um, however, what did we say last week? He may well come in and give the rest of the team a spark. And if you can get defensive touchdowns, if you can get special teams touchdowns, and we got the first punt return of the entire NFL season with Jakeem Grant taking one back 88 yards to the house. That is going to make everybody's life a lot easier. We also had a 78-yard fumble return in this one from Andrew Van Ginkle. There's another good name for the pod, Andrew Van Ginkle. I like that one. Um, yeah, 78 yards for him. And essentially, it meant that the Dolphins, playing some decent defence, were able to keep the Rams out of the end zone, by and large. And and ultimately, you know, they didn't actually score any points whatsoever in the second period. It moves them to four and three. I think they are a sneaky outside chance of certainly a wild card. And I certainly think the NF, uh, NFC, the AFC East is certainly there to win. I don't think Buffalo have been playing particularly well over the last few weeks. Obviously, New England have got their issues, and let's not even talk about the Jets. So I still think the Dolphins potentially are in contention. And we said, leading up to this, good luck to her. You're going to get you know, your first game against Aaron Donald. And yeah, Aaron Donald sacked him, and and you know, was it his first passing play? He actually ended in a fumble. Um, but this will have done him the absolute world of good. Um, he, he's got a nice bit of attitude to him, the way he carries himself. Um, and again, similar to what Tim's just said there in terms of Joe Burrow, uh, the Dolphins will obviously be hoping um, that they found a guy that they can uh, have them, you know, taken to the next level. They've, you know, along with the Browns, have had more starting quarterbacks than anybody over recent years. You know, they've essentially been chopping and changing since Dan Marino retired, haven't they? And they've never quite found the answer behind centre. Hopefully, Tua can be that guy. Big win for the Dolphins. Let's have a whiz through then, fellas, of the rest of the scores. And it's nice for me this week, fellas, because I've obviously got that going across the bottom of the screen. So I don't even have to refer to my notes too much for this. It's really good uh, good for me. <laughs> isn't it? 
Carolina 17, Atlanta 25 in Thursday night football. Uh, Carolina slip into another defeat. Julio Jones rolling back the clock in that one, seven for one three seven for Julio on the night. Chiefs against Jets, I said last week, they would easily cover 21 and a half. And if only I'd have gone to the bookies and had that conviction that I sort of alluded that I might have last week, I would have obviously been able to cash out 35-7. I was going to come on the pod and say I bought a new house. I mortgaged the house. I'm getting a second house now. I'm getting like a, you know, like a, I don't know, a, a gentleman's retreat to go. He can, he, can buy, he, can buy, he can buy that seat he's sitting in that background. He can actually sit in that seat. There you go. There you go. <laughs> yeah. 35-7. I even predicted that Chad Henney would take a few snaps at quarterback, and even that came true. I'm gonna I'll I'll, I'll buy a lottery ticket this week, Lawrence. Let's see if uh, let's see if my run of luck can continue. Uh, my luck didn't continue in picking the Detroit Lions. They of course did what they always did. They put a couple of decent games together, get everybody sucked in, and then lay a complete egg. 21-41. The Colts backfield doing plenty of good work in this one. There'll be a takeaway coming on that in written format as well. Um, Naheem Hines and Jordan Wilkins getting most of it done. Jonathan Taylor still struggling, really, the rookie. Um, but obviously the backfield as a committee certainly getting the job done. Uh, Bills, Patriots, 24-21. Uh, like I said, the Bills not necessarily impressing anybody in recent weeks, but did just about enough here. But uh, a big assist, of course, to Cam Newton fumbling the ball away with the Patriots in field goal range at the end to at least potentially tie the game up. Um, obviously, with all the talk going into this one about the microscope being on Cam, not the way that you obviously want to finish a game. Um, you know, for the most part, certainly an improvement on the performance from the week previous, but still big issues in New England. Huge win for the Bills, doesn't matter whether it was impressive or not. Obviously, very, very significant being a divisional matchup. Um, and obviously puts a bit more room between them and the Patriots. Browns and Raiders, uh, Browns six, Raiders 16. Game dominated, to be completely honest, by weather. Um, and the Las Vegas run game, Josh Jacobs carried the ball seemingly for 500 attempts uh, and everyone went for three or four yards a pop and the Browns couldn't get off the field. Uh, two touchdowns in the game, one brought back, one given, both quite similar. Um, balls close to the ground, the Raiders one held up though and the Raiders took the win. Broncos and Chargers, what a game this turned out to be. It seemed to be just petering along into... A routine, dare I say, it charges win. Little did we know. Well, I say little did we know. We should have known, shouldn't we, fellas? There's no such thing as a routine charges win, is that? Let's be honest. You said about the Bengals earlier, Tim, about people having the opportunity, you know, throwing away good uh, good situations. The charges are just on another level, aren't they? And Drew Locke, last second of the game, finds a fall in KJ Hamler, gets his backside down in the end zone. What a win this was for the Broncos, mate. Yeah, I think we can quash the we can quash the myth of um, you know obviously when Philip Rivers was there for donkey's years and everyone was always asking was it Philip Rivers that 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 bottled it or was it the Chargers? I think we can we can safely say it's the Chargers. Um, I mean Philip Rivers might still take it with him to the Colts, but it's it's definitely a Chargers thing as well. But yeah, Justin Justin Herbert another great performance, but he um, still he's still continuing to set records. Rookie stuff, uh, rookie you know uh, stuff is going out the window, and um, he yeah he is the franchise quarterback. He is the answer. For 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 the Chargers, it's just a shame that they can't, they just can't shake it, can they? It's just like it's like your in-laws at Christmas. You just can't get rid of them. 
<laughs> yeah, and what what really annoyed me? I was I'm watching. I, I, was, <laughs> I was having a really really good time with a lot of my DraftKings teams, right up until I I, I had to save some money because I bought a load of superstars, and I had um, Jalen Guyton hopefully going getting some sort of deep bomb somewhere, some sort of seven you know having a stat line of two for seventy and a touchdown. No, he let me down. He let me down. Mike Williams um, had a had a really good game. So Guyton let me down. You know, I won a few pennies, but not 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 many pounds. So hopefully Guyton can step back up next week because um, he's still quite cheap. But yeah, I mean, how many? You know, you when you know a team is bad, you can kind of resign yourself, Tim, can't you? When you know a team's rubbish, you can just uh, kind of relax. I don't know what you're talking about, Lawrence. I don't know what team you're referring to there. Um, <laughs> whereas, whereas if you keep losing heartbreakers every week, it's just it's not fair on the fans. And you know, I think what is it? All the all the losses that they've had, their five losses have been something like you know nine points or under. Um, so, just you know, bless them. And and Justin Herbert is is going to be absolutely amazing for years to come but if that defense doesn't start improving the wins aren't going to start improving either they've got to start drafting defense it's <coughs> joey bosa can't do it all by himself mm. they, they need some help yeah. desperately there's some dodgy dodgy play calling from Anthony lynn there from the from the dinosaur age as well i, I can't remember the play exactly but i remember seeing the play and shouting out loud i was like what are you doing what are you doing? I think it must be it must have been a run up the middle or, or something rather, but just some some really some really um it almost seems they need to tear all that down for head coaching wise, but um whether or not that would then affect Justin Herbert, I don't know because he, he, whether or not Lynn goes then that affects Justin Herbert. I'm not I'm not too sure, but sometimes something needs to change there, change the culture and just tear it all down. Yeah, I think Anthony potentially on a bit of borrowed time, isn't he? And the final game of the week, um obviously Lawrence just teed you up there, Tim. Of course, the Cowboys dropping another game uh, to the Eagles. Um, as you say, Dallas actually played it pretty close until the Eagles eventually did uh, pull away. Obviously, the, the Sunday night late game, 23-9, finished to Philadelphia. Um, obviously, Ben DiNucci getting the start for Dallas at quarterback. Uh, and you've said for the last few weeks now, mate, that uh, basically season over. Um, probably definitely is now after losing that one. Well, it's quite funny actually. I think Carson Wentz and, uh, and Ben DiNucci were having a, have a contest to see who could hold the ball for longest in that game. Absolutely, really bad bad quarterback in play. If you if you're looking for a for a, uh, a showcase in quarterback uh, quarterback in, don't go and watch. <laughs> do not go and watch that game. I'm, I'm glad the the defense of Dallas showed up and and um, kind of made some type, some plays. Trevon Diggs finally getting a bit of the rub of the green. I know I've mentioned him a couple of times. Um, just being a shade unlucky with some of his coverage. Um, nice to see his interceptions. Quite surprised it wasn't overturned personally and um, yeah season's done but philadelphia will just be one and done in the playoffs so let's just f fast forward and let's fast forward and go back to 20 2021 please there was, <laughs> please. There was actually one play that i did admire from the cowboys Opening that, kickoff. Was, that was greg zerline's third field goal mm, 50 yeah 51 yard that whatever was it was stunner, an absolute yeah. stunner I mean, we, we're talking about all these um, fruit-based kicks, all these, all these 
melon kicks and everything. And then this kick into the into the wind and the trajectory of the ball and how hard he must have booted that for it to go up and go against the wind and still go through the uprights um, and actually give them the lead, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Yep, lead so, time. Yeah, I mean, it was a pretty, that was one of my favourite field goals of the season. And no, I will not be producing a top 10 field goals of the season article, <laughs> but it was it was one of the better field goals of, of this first half of the season. But the best thing with, with Sunday Night Football is what they do is when they, the, the field goal guy have a try, it shows you what they would have been good from. I think one of them was good from 65, which outdoors, not bad effort from Gold Greg. Obviously, it wouldn't have, didn't count from 65. Obviously, they said it would have been good from 65, but yeah. Good, good shout. Good effort. Let's see if Greg the Leg makes it into the regular winners and losers section. I very much doubt it, but you never know. Lawrence did seem awfully impressed with the routine field goal there. So shows you how good that Sunday night matchup was, doesn't it, chaps? Let's start off then. Uh, Tim, let's come to you for your winners and losers of the week. Uh, so winner for me, I actually pivoted. Uh, initially, I was going to say Joe Burrow, but I kind of covered him. So I, uh, Miami, I think, um, I say it's not really a, a statement win. Obviously, the big storyline coming in was Tua. He just had to sit there and do auto, watch the autopilot you know, go, as they go through the clouds and, and get the, the win against the Rams. Uh, the Rams obviously coming off Monday night, travelling from west to east. So um, probably a, bit, a few tired legs in there, a few tired minds. So uh, again, not, not, not the statement win that it probably looks like on paper. Um, also, start of the season, if you'd have said the Miami Dolphins beat the Los Angeles Rams, probably you made raise an eyebrow and a half, uh, in, in like the rock, like the rock does. But, um, yeah, I, I, the performance, like you mentioned, it sparked kind of a bit of energy in, in special teams and defense. And I think if you've got all three, obviously the offense didn't need, need to fire, but if you've got all three phases of the game uh, kind of firing, um, you're going to be hard to stop in, in the division, like you said, uh, Sean, that can is, is winnable with the, the Bills f- fluffing their lines or not, not, yeah being not being the the stellar bills teams that um you know the, the, the performances they've, they've been putting up and you know the jets and, the, and the, the patriots are kind of cooked gooses at this point but i think if you're too a perfect script for him you couldn't have written it up any better for him just to come in and sit and just kind of you know should put his hands on the steering wheel to be to be quite honest um so miami's big winners for me i think they'll take a lot from that result uh to will, will obviously be great uh, high in confidence as they, as they go throughout the season. It'd be interesting to see where their kind of their story in their story ends and how it ends up. Yeah, no, absolutely. Man, can't disagree with that. Like we said in, in the little uh, review, you know, it'd be interesting to see if the, the rest of the team continues to feed off that energy. They'll obviously be looking for some improvement from two and, and don't get me wrong. I think the interesting decision for Miami will come if they get to a point where the playoffs or the division is on the line and, you know, is it a game that they need to bring Fitzpatrick back in to try yeah, and secure done. a win? I, I don't disagree with that, but I just think if, if Tua only puts up 90 yards in the next three or four games, um, then obviously question marks potentially will will circle if the Dolphins are in a position to be contending. But we'll wait and see. Um, loser? Uh, Lisa, for me, uh, Lamar Jackson is my loser. Um, he wasn't again. <laughs> not not to spite not to spite Lawrence. Um, and it probably go, this problem probably goes down in, into the over overreaction dustbin. But I just wonder if his magic's starting to fade a little bit, and I just wonder if his confidence is going. He doesn't have the belief that he did last season because it's starting to go wrong. And I just wonder if he ha- if his sell by date is is kind of a bit nearer than we all kind of think it was. Obviously, we're you know. 
back end of last season, we were all saying that he's going to be around for, for years and years to come. But, you know, Mike Vick, Colin Kaepernick, Cam Newton, all, you know, I'm not saying he's the same as those, but similar ilks, uh, QBs, um, they, they, their sell by date came and came and gone quite quickly. Uh, it'd just be interesting to see, like I say, the, the game next week, um, it'd be interesting to see what kind of uh, response we get from Lamar Jackson and the, and the Baltimore Ravens. Um, yeah, it's quite eerie how, kind of the trajectories of those careers of those players I've just said is, is kind of turning out. Um, so, yeah, I'm not going to say he's going to be, he's done, he's done. He's he's obviously not, but it's interesting to see how he responds and whether or not we actually see the Lamar Jackson of, of last year, the MVP Lamar Jackson, because, you know, quarterbacks like that, where they, you know, he's not a passer, he's, you know, he's, he's predominantly a runner. It'd be interesting to see if he can kind of overcome that and whether he, what, if he needs to rework on his, his passing game a little bit and they need to open up the passing game a bit more. Uh, like, like Lawrence said, just pass it to Mark Andrews a bit more. And Hollywood Browns obviously showed his dissatisfaction. Uh, I just wonder, you know, the game against the Steelers. Yes, it's a difficult one. He's always struggled against the Steelers, but it's a game that started with a, a pick stick. On the, I think on their first drive and kind of ended with the fumble. I just wonder if the gloss has come off him a little bit and the cracks are just getting that little bit wider. And if that, yeah, if he, if he breaks that like Humpty Dumpty, interesting, interesting that kind of thing for Baltimore fans and NFL fans to kind of think about. Couple, a couple of little minor points there. Um, there was a pretty spectacular rushing touchdown that got called back on a holding penalty, I think, yeah. which, which again, was one of those absolute highlight reel plays. And I was kind of, you know, my jaw was on the floor when, when he kind of went and went and did that. This is the Steelers' defence, and he did manage to be one completion away from the win and that would have put that one completion you know we talk about plays like the the tackle on the goal line with the the Seahawks 49ers from last season how one play can mean so much Malcolm Butler one play it's it mm. kind of defined a franchise that yeah, one but- completion that would have been a completion at the end the Ravens would have won the game. They would have been top of their division. The Steelers would no longer be undefeated, and we'd be we wouldn't be having this conversation. So it's, yeah, it's very interesting how one play can turn the trajectory. And yeah, I'm I'm with you, Tim. It this could be quite a significant thing to recover from for mm. the psyche of Lamar Jackson. Yeah, yeah, very, very interesting. Battered at the end of it, and you could see that that his face. He wasn't kind of like, "Oh shucks," you know, "I'll I'll be all right." He he looked quite mortified Mm. at the end of that, and that's the first time I've seen Lamar Jackson not kind of look bouncy or or kind of peppy at the end of a game. Even if he's lost, he's kind of looked as if to say, "I'll get you next time." and that it was the first time where I saw a little bit of resignation in his eyes, mm-hmm. um, and I thought, "Oh gosh, you know, you, 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 God, you need a bounce back next week." So yeah, makes that Colts game kind of really, really interesting. Good to see you finally coming around to my way of thinking, Lawrence. Good to see. <laughs> it's only took it's only took twelve months, but you're getting there. Let's have your winners and losers, mate, on the week. Interestingly, my my winner actually is the Colts. So if we go back a couple of weeks, they were sitting at three and two, looking kind of middle of the road. There was even calls from various sources to dump Philip Rivers and bring back in Jacoby Brissett, who'd been kind of who's 
who's already had kind of the helm at the, the Colts for almost two full seasons in the past. Two weeks later, the Colts, two wins later, they're top of the AFC South, tied with the Titans, um, and they are looking, if they beat the Ravens, and that's why this game becomes so important, and from the Colts' side, if they beat the Ravens, then they face the Titans in two weeks, two absolutely monster, monster games for the Colts. Um, now, we can we can argue, okay, for the Colts, that two-game win streak was against the Bengals and the Lions. But if you look at my loser, then you can't actually take any games for granted in the NFL. And you, you just can't. And that's why my loser this week is actually the Tennessee Titans. Two weeks ago, the Titans were undefeated and looking to take the Steelers into overtime before Stephen Gotzkowski missed that game-tying field goal. And a week on, the Titans are looking pretty mortal um, and desperately missing um, tackle Taylor Lewan, who's who went out for the season. With just over 11 minutes left against the Bengals, and I know we've talked about this, the Titans were 24-7 down to a team that had actually only registered one win up to that point in the season. And though two fourth quarter scores that made it a little bit less embarrassing, but as, as we've said, Giovanni Bernard is a role player, was made to look good. And the Titans have slipped now from 5-0 and to 5-2. and So, you know, we talk about those sort of skids. You know, again, are there a few little cracks in the in the Titans um, armour as well? Yeah, although we had this conversation last night when we were watching the games and there isn't necessarily a, a, a team that's absolutely solid all across the board, is there? You've got really good defence in Pittsburgh. Offence has got some question marks. You've got really good offence in Kansas City. Defence has got some question marks. You've got really good offence in Seattle and so on and so forth. be really interesting over the next few weeks to see who can really get it all together. Uh, I'm going to do something uh, that actually brings me quite a lot of joy, fellas. I'm going to reverse my winners and losers from last week. So last week, my winner was Jimmy Garoppolo. He's absolutely this week's loser. Everybody that has played that Seattle defence has ripped it to shreds. Jimmy Garoppolo was 11 of 16, 84 yards. 84 yards. No touchdowns, one interception, and has hobbled off again, and who knows when we'll see him again. Uh, Tim, I know you're obviously very much not in his fan club. I've always actually been, um, you know, a fan. Um, you know, his record has been fantastic since he went to San Francisco, but a real bad day at the office for Jimmy G. Um, and if he was my winner last week, I will reverse my loser. And last week's loser was Drew Locke. I said it was a really important few weeks for him. And just for that fourth quarter performance alone, three touchdowns altogether, um, you know, three different receivers to do it with one second left on the clock with the game on the line to go and win it. I thought it was just an absolutely fantastic performance. I loved his little celebratory dance at the end of it as well. Um, you know, really, really good to see. Really, really pleased for the Broncos. I think, you know, they were the one team coming into this season that a, a huge amount of people were optimistic about with all the young weapons that they had. The season kind of seemingly got curtailed through injury. Can they go on a bit of a run now? Um, huge, huge day for Drew Locke. And like I say, really, really pleased for him and for the Broncos. 
that's all of your week number eight stuff in the books. Let's just have a quick look at our pick'em competition. Uh, three players this week all getting nine out of a possible 13 so far. So Shaney Boars, Brown Bear, 1010 and Saints fan underscore for life all leading the way this week. Nobody's still yet to get a perfect score. If you are listening, watching and you haven't yet joined the Pick'em League, why not? Just get involved. We'll give away some free stuff. And uh, let's uh, see if we can get more and more people involved week to week. David, too, still the man to catch at the top of the table. He's extended his lead back out to three points. So well done to David. Let's turn our attention then quickly, fellas, to week number nine, as we have now crossed over the first hour of our live broadcast. And let's have a quick look at a few of the games that are on the schedule, a real nice-looking matchup on paper, at least, to start off the week, Lawrence. Thursday night football, often you sort of look and think, oh, God, unless you've got a real vested interest in it. But even from a neutral's perspective, 49ers Packers got plenty of interest in it, I would say. I would, I would have said. But after the news that Jimmy Garoppolo's lost um, for an unknown amount of weeks, George Kittle is now out. Um, the running game's been decimated. They're down to Jermichael Hasty, the kind of undrafted rookie. Um, yes, they've got some receivers, but Aaron Rodgers, as we've said this season, doesn't tend to have two bad games in a row. So even though the 49ers have managed to kind of, they've got quite a few unsung heroes on that defence that have been stepping up, um, I'm sorry, I've got, I've got quite a quite a big blowout for the Packers here. So, in theory, interesting. In in you know, this is this is a rematch of the NFC Championship, but this ain't going to be a rematch of anything that's going to be going on in the playoffs in 2020. So, this unfortunately, I've got a, a big monster Packers win. Devontae Adams maybe not the hero, but Aaron Rodgers definitely. So, yeah, unfortunately, it, it kind of started looking okay. But then with those final two injuries for the, the 49ers and Tevin Coleman again kind of not being able to come back, kind of getting back out injured again, I can't see the Packers um, wetting the bed two weeks in a row. Unbelievable, isn't it, really, when you think about it? As you just said, this is a rematch of the NFC Championship game. And if you remember back to the podcast we did that week, we all sat here and said, the Packers are going to get absolutely obliterated. And that's obviously what happened. Here we are, fast forward the clock, well, eight, nine months later, and we're all predicting the exact opposite to happen. It's a strange old world, isn't it, the NFL? Tim, two teams that will be looking to get back into the win column will be the Titans and Bears. Um, we've talked about them. You know, Both started off with really good records, both now looking to have something to prove. Um Take us through your thoughts ahead of that week nine matchup. Mm, yeah, this is the under the under the radar, very important game for both teams. I think the loser, the wagon, the wheels off are going to fly off that off the wagon. Both teams obviously now on two game losing streaks after going you know, five, two five two, five win teams. Uh, whether or not you think the Bears were ever legitimate, um, and then yeah, obviously that's that's up for debate. But obviously everyone was was thinking the Titans were were going to be strong. Um, 
it, the the Titans, if you if you look at the divisions they're in, um, obviously the Titans have got the same record as the Colts. The Bears obviously now have one more loss than uh, than the Packers. I think the Bears defense will again have to try and do what they did against against the Saints and just try and nick it and grind it out and just you know nick Foles and maybe with a a little a little sprinkle of Mitch Trubisky and uh, once again just trying to trying to get it over the line. But um, be interesting to see how that kind of plays out because Foles wasn't great against a, a Saints defense that has um, kind of been exploited to certain extents this season. Um, and like I say, we had a Mitch Trubisky sighting uh, this week as well. But Titans need to get back on on track quickly. Need to target AJ Brown a bit more. He was very quiet until the latter stages of that game uh, against the Bengals. Um, if you look at the, the the schedules that these two teams have, the Bears have the Colts, the Ravens. Um, uh, sorry, the Titans have the Bears, the Colts, the Ravens, and the Colts. So I wonder if they're kind of looking ahead to those two Colts games because they could lose against the Bears as long as they beat they beat or maybe sweep the Colts. Then all, all's not all, all's not lost. But um, you have to wonder how much they've got that circled. Uh, but you've got to be careful against the Bears team that have shown like against the Saints. Uh, they'll they'll if you don't turn up or don't at least play play properly you 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 will get beaten um talking of the bear schedule to a, a, a nfc north games against the packers and the vikings uh sandwiched in between a bye coming up as well so um after that the, the kind of schedule is a bit easier with with games against the jags and texans so um i think the bears um should should be okay or should at least be in the reckoning for a wild card if not the division but with two games against the vikings and the packers to to come on the on the docket um obviously it's it's kind of in their hands in in some respects yeah, like you say, it could quickly turn around though, couldn't it? Particularly if the Vikings carry on playing as they did this weekend. Uh, the Bears certainly do need to start to put something together on the offensive side of the ball. The other game, just want to give a quick mention out to obviously Sky yet to actually tell us what games they are broadcasting this week. But the tasty one for me in the late window is the Cardinals and the Dolphins. Cardinals obviously off the back of a bye week and that huge win against Seattle last time out. And obviously, there's just going to be intrigue now, isn't there, with the Dolphins around, you know, can they continue with Tua at quarterback? We talked about it a little bit earlier. Um, you would expect that the Cardinals' offence will put up more points than what the Rams managed. Um, they've certainly sort of, you know, shown that during the course of the season so far. They've obviously got weapons there that can hurt teams. Um, so it would be really interesting to see how Tua steps up in his second game. Uh, and obviously the Cardinals having, you know, a week off to essentially prepare. Potentially that's actually an advantage, I guess, for the Dolphins in as much as they wouldn't have had any film on Tua to study until obviously this week. Um, you know, whereas they could have obviously been sitting there for two weeks with all the uh, the film tape, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but I think that potentially looks like the um, the game in the late window to uh, potentially be the one that Sky picked. But obviously we'll find that out. Tomorrow, just a quick shout out before we get back to the boys for some stats to close out the podcast to Tony, who's been following along on Twitter over the course of the last few minutes. And he's picking the Raiders to beat the Chargers 41 21 on Sunday. So, yeah, Tony, uh, well and truly getting behind the Raiders, uh, obviously off the back of a big win this weekend. So, thanks, Tony, for watching along. Right, boys, uh, as we've gone live, I've obviously cocked up tonight. I didn't come to you for your stats <laughs> of the week. So, seamlessly, we're going to just chuck it in at the end of the pod. So, we do like to do this, of course, every week. Plenty of stats every single week, particularly this week. Records seemingly being broken left, right and centre. Um, so, let's start us off then. Lawrence, what have you got for your first stat of the week? Well, considering it was a Halloween weekend... 
We love some spooky doppelganger stats. Here we go. The last two players to have gained over 225 yards from scrimmage and four touchdowns have the following things in common. They both achieved this feat in 2020. They both got exactly 226 yards and they both did it against the Green Bay Packers. Name that tune. Uh, well, obviously, Dalvin Cook. And, oh, against the Packers. Ooh, doo -doo -doo -doo. Who blew them out recently? The a couple game. of weeks ago. We've yeah, just talked about the game. Oh, um, 49ers. Um, Ray Mostert. Well Mostert, done. Yeah. Sean gets the point. I'll get the assist. I'll take the assist. Take the assist. Timmy Boy, your first one. Hmm. All right. Um, so it's not all bad. For, I know we've, we've dumped on the Baltimore Ravens a little bit, but Baltimore actually set an, a new NFL record for scoring in 26 straight quarters to open the season. Obviously, that ended in quarter three uh, against the Steelers. But yeah, 26 straight quarters, a uh, new NFL record in consecutive scoring. Not bad, but I'm sure Lawrence told me that one a week ago when it was 24 quarters. So I'm not giving you too much credit for that one. You're just really topping up an old stat there, aren't you? Come on, Lawrence, number two. Okay, well, you kind of stole a little bit of thunder, but you know I like to give a little bit of retro love, so I'll, I'll, I'll go for this one. The Dolphins became only the 10th team in the past 80 seasons to have won despite their opponent registering three or more times the amount of yardage and three or more times the number of first downs. So we covered that. What I want to do is blow your mind with one of these games where the, the kind of three to one ratio happened on a, on a win. Um, this was in 2002, the Houston Texans, and you, you need to look this up, honestly, trust me, because you won't believe it when I read it out loud. The Houston Texans won 24-6 against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Houston's offense managed 10 net passing yards, three completions, 20 minutes of possession. The defense allowed 422 total yards, but that defense also managed three defensive touchdowns covering a total of 175 yards in returns to win the game just what year was that what year was that 2002 like... oh, i was gonna say that was, uh... Um, that was uh yeah that david carr david yeah. carr you yeah i was gonna say it sounds like brock osweiler <laughs> <laughs> no, it was it was it was a david carr special i think he was three out of ten Three out of ten. What if they had the ball for twenty minutes? What else were they doing? If they only completed three passes, good lord. The, anyway, the returns, there were one was forty yards, and I think the two other returns, two interception returns, one was for seventy yards, and one was for sixty-four. Like I said earlier, all all very easy when your defense can put the points on the boards for you, isn't it? Tim, let's get your second one. All right. Um, since we've got a Raiders fan in the house, I will say Josh Jacobs became the first Raiders running back with 30-plus carries in the game since Darren McFadden in Week 15, 2012. 
yeah, I sat and watched it. Like I said, I, I, <laughs> I, I jokingly said it felt like he carried the ball 500 times. Well, that that is exactly what it felt like watching it. It was like death by a thousand paper cuts for the Browns yesterday. But yeah, all joking aside, good to see Josh Jacobs actually have his best game of the season. We certainly bigged him up before the season, didn't we? And uh, he hasn't necessarily lived up to that uh, potential. Now he's obviously suffered a little bit with injury, but uh, yeah, good game for Josh Jacobs yesterday. Lawrence, your third and final one of the week. Well, you know, Sean, how seriously I take a challenge. And you know, one of the most important qualities in a human being is that the ability to listen. So we've got a Browns special to end it off with. The Browns are 5-0 and this season when Kareem Hunt scores a touchdown, but 0-3 and when he doesn't. And then just to add a little bit of icing on top of the cake to make you feel good and give you that warm glow inside, Sean. In addition, on Sunday's game, the Browns held Derek Carr to 112 yards passing which is the second lowest total in his 101 game career. And it was actually the lowest total that he's been held to when he's both started and finished a game. Yeah, it was certainly a game dominated by the ground. The weather didn't help. Uh, I, I tipped up watching the Browns-Bengals on Game Pass last week. I really wouldn't tip up watching the, the Browns and Raiders on Game Pass this week. It wasn't uh, wasn't a great watch, um, but yeah. Game, game in 40 is about game in 10, isn't it? Yeah, we'll take the we'll we'll take the positives. We'll take the positives. Go ahead, Tim. Final one of the week. Uh, all right, let's go with this one. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater, during the odd weeks, during the season's odd week, so one, three, five, for, for those that don't know what an odd, week, odd numbered week is, uh, he averages roughly around 115 passer rating. But in the even weeks, so two, four, six, eight, just again, just in case, uh, he only averages 79.2 passer rating. So obviously week uh, week nine, is it week nine next week? So next week, uh, it'll be decent. It'll be decent next week. Just to give you a test, Tim, is that an odd or an even week next week? Oh, no idea. Pass. <laughs> Fellas, a delight as always. I think because you've got to play to your crowd, I've told you boys to play to your crowd over the last couple of weeks. We've obviously got a very vocal Raiders fan joining in and watching us. So the, the winner this week is the Josh Jacobs stats, um, just to keep Tony happy. So there you go, Tony. Tim takes it this week. Lawrence is sort of happy because he's obviously displaying the merch. So, yeah, well done, boys. Another another good week. Another good week of stats. Right then, fellas, that is pretty much it for another week of the podcast. So what can you find on the full 10 yards during this week? As ever, in written format over the course of the next coming days, you'll get your Tuesday takeaways with a bit of a written look back over everything that was week number eight in the NFL from all of our talented writers in the NFL side of the full 10 yards crew. There'll obviously be plenty of college and fantasy content throughout the week. We'll obviously get you set for week nine with all of your preview articles. And as a bonus deep dive this week, myself and Steve are looking at every single franchise in the NFL at the halfway stage of the season who is playing well, who needs to go, and yeah, what are the prospects for the franchises moving forward? I think we know exactly what we'll be saying about that uh, Cowboy star in the uh, article, my friend. I think you can write that one yourself. Right then, boys, that is pretty much it. 
I think this has gone quite well, though. Thank you ever so much to everyone that has tuned in and has interacted and has commented. Uh, all the likes we love and you. all the rest of it. We do indeed. Hopefully we'll grow that over the course of the coming weeks. It was obviously a bit short notice as we experimented with the technology on the week, but hopefully it's gone well. It will still drop into your regular podcast channels over the course of tomorrow once we get it uploaded. Just need to figure Just in case you want to listen to it again. <laughs> yeah. Of course, yeah, absolutely, mate. And, uh, of course, now comes the really embarrassing part, fellas, where I have to end the podcast with those immortal words, and I've got to do it live on camera, but before I do, Lawrence, any final closing remarks from yourself? Where else on the planet are you going to get a song from Zoe one week, the Neighbours theme tune the next? I mean, this truly is the greatest NFL podcast on the planet and it's been an absolute honour again, folks, this week. So thank you, Sean. Thank you, Tim, for letting me be part of this. And also thank you, everyone who's tuned in and listened and watched us. So brilliant. Thank you. Absolute pleasure, mate. Absolute pleasure. And Tim, obviously, when um, you started off the full 10 yards, what, oh, three years ago now, did you ever think you'd be going live to the world, my friend? Well, you know, give the people what they want. Give the people what they want. <laughs> any closing remarks from yourself buddy um yeah, it's just bedtime to be quite honest um and the the guys that are in the that have been interacting with us i know and i'll speak to them tomorrow so um yeah thanks for thanks for tuning in it's been lovely to have your support and i know you'll uh you'll be going back and forth to yeah, work tomorrow yeah absolutely um yeah no nice to nice to get on the screen and nice that we don't have to do too much edit in other podcasts and we can just slap we can slap the music on either side and away you go we can indeed, mate. We can indeed. The wonders of modern technology. Every day is a school day. Even I've been able to work this thing tonight. So hopefully it's come across well. Thanks for those that have been tuned in and have been watching. Obviously, if you're listening, hope you enjoy it as always. But of course, until next week, we end as always with those immortal words of Kevin Cadle and say bye-bye for now. Bye-bye. for listening to the full 10 yards podcast follow us on facebook or twitter at full 10 yards or email the show full 10 yards at gmail.com